When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Sam Keir, host of Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. For the past 12 months, I've been talking to T20 star David Visa, getting his take from behind the scenes at the IPL, the 100 and the rest of the world's biggest leagues. That's the Donnelly View system, Dion. There's no <laughs> ways in my mind that was up. These guys don't know how to win at this stage. He had his driver pick him up in his Bentley. People start chanting your name. You kind of have to pinch yourself. Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Sport Social. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the LFC Day Trippers, brought to you by bookmakers.com. I'm your host, Matt. Joining me tonight is Kev. Kev, how are you? I'm good. Good. Start of the week. All Mm -hmm. things are possible again this week. Hopefully, you know, we might have something to sing about at the end of the week, but Mm. who knows? I know. I was really hoping for just an out-of-the-blue transfer you know, new rumor, gossip, or something like that for us to talk about. But uh, as it stands, we did, get all... a new no- we did get a new number seven. This is true. Yeah, we got a nice jersey number change. So there's the FSG PR machine at full pelt, you know, distracting us from our lack of transfer business with number change announcements. I'm, of course, being facetious. But uh, in in lieu of having a lot of juicy new rumors to talk about, uh, Gav and Keith and Shawnee, Covering it pretty good on their weekly transfer gossip roundup, no transfer knowledge show. We're gonna we're gonna look a little closer to home, but still on the outskirts. Uh, we're gonna get a little fringe going on, like a Chris Christopherson leather jacket from the seventies. There's a fair bit of it, Kev. Doing a little bit of prep work for this show of like, you know, if you don't really pay attention to the academies and stuff like that, or the UEFA Youth Cup or Premier League Two, whatever it is, you can kind of forget that we got a lot of players on the book. It's tough to see a lot of them making a huge impact on the team next year, but it doesn't mean that these players are without a future. Um, Really, I think just dive right into it because we might be here for a little while. I mean, let's look at our lone players from last season first. I mean, I think that's the best place to start because you can't be any further on the fringe of the team when you're being sent out on loan. So we had about... 16, 17 players set out on loan last year. I've just picked out a few names that jumped out to me because guys like Fidel O'Rourke, I I don't think anybody thinks they're going to have any tangible impact on the senior squad whatsoever. Balagizi, Sepp Vandenberg, Connor Bradley, Luke Chambers, Tyler Morton, Marcelo Pitaluga. Those are the ones to me that kind of jumped out as could be moving and shaking come the start of this season. What do you think of that, those names, Kev? Um, look, if you'd asked me this time last year, would I have picked any of the under-23s, under-18s to make a breakthrough last season? The one that did, I wouldn't have give, picked out in a month of Sundays. 
So, I mean, nobody saw Stefan Bacetic making an impact on the first team squad or even the first team starting 11, you know, this time last year. So I'd never write anyone off, but it's hard. There was one name in that list that you said that I hope comes back and takes the opportunity that he gets in preseason. That's Connor Bradley. Um, I didn't realize that he turned. He was on loan with Bolton last season. Rave reviews in League One. Played forty-one games. Plus has thirteen internationals under his belt now. Um, but he also turns twenty in a couple of weeks' time. So he's not, um, you know, uh, a, a greenhorn, you know, young teenager who's just like suddenly appeared. He's going to be turning 20 soon. So I think with the volume of games we're going to be playing next season, and we were working it out before we came on air, the potential is there for Liverpool to Liverpool players to be involved in upwards of 65 games next year. And that doesn't include internationals. Right. So I think there's going to be opportunities for minutes for an awful lot of players who are knocking around the first team squad, might not be involved in your starting 11 Premier League match day opening game of the season against Chelsea. But, you know, 10 weeks into the season and you've got three games in a week and a couple of cup games coming over the horizon. There's minutes there for a, for a fair few players. And the bonus is for a lot of these players, they don't have to be registered. You know, so they can be like the equivalent of a B squad. So I've seen like the, a lot of lads putting in the labs, the likes of Ben Doak and stuff like that. You know, it's, I think you're almost going to have to split next season into two, where you're going to have the Europa League qualifiers early rounds of the League Cup, Premier League, up until January. And then in come January, you can reassess a lot of things and see what happens from there. But I think Connor Bradley will definitely be around the first-team squad next season, and I I think he has the potential to make a breakthrough for sure. You know, anytime I've watched him play, he's, he's exactly what you want in a young fullback. Gets up and down, he defends well, he's got an eye for goal, he's got a good pass on him. He's quick enough without being express. And at nearly six feet, he's not a shrinking violet. He doesn't mind putting his foot in. So I think if we're going to have games where you're going to have someone playing as an orthodox right back, I'm not saying play, start him in the Premier League as an orthodox right back and put Trent into midfield. I'm saying in the group games of the Europa League, you can, I could, I'd feel confident enough starting him at right back as an orthodox right back to play in a, an orthodox four-three-three system mm-hmm. with a young, fresh midfield. You know, I, I'd have no problems with that whatsoever. He'd be the main one I could see making a breakthrough. Um, but you look across the back four. I don't know about Sep. He had a really nasty injury, where all of the talk coming out. Of I think it was, it was on loan at Schalke up until his injury, they, they were really happy with him, you know, with the progress that he was making, he had a decent loan spell the season before and I just think there's no harm, no foul with him you know, it's um, it's just unfortunate with that really bad injury that the development that he would have had with Schalke 
maybe could have benefited us this season, but I'm not sure if um, he's going to be looked at maybe as a a higher end championship loan, maybe. But what do you think? I'm, I well, I don't it, know. It, you uh, you picked out uh, Connor Bradley, and I agree. I think out of those names, I think he has legitimately the best shot of being with the match day squad out of any of them. But for me, the other the other big one is Vandenberg because when you think about some of the other players that are currently with the you know, the 25-man squad who might not be there next season. There's a couple names in defense that jump right out at you. In yeah. Reese Williams, who had, by all accounts, a disastrous loan at Swansea last season. To be fair, that wasn't on him. No, that was like an injury, you know, it, it just scuppers no, it, his... Yeah, there, were, his, there was other things that happened as well yeah. off the pitch with Swansea and with their fans that he had to suffer through stuff that nobody should ever suffer from. And I think our dealings with sending players to that part of Wales are over after what oh, happened really? to, to him. Yeah. He's, okay. he, he was, it was very unfortunate, but at the same time, I agree with you. I think that I don't see a future for Reese Williams at Liverpool full stop. I think if a reasonable offer, a nominal fee offer came in that we could, he wanted to go to a, a club permanently. I think it would suit him better. I think yeah. it would give him certainty in his career. And his other partner, who has been at the club probably a year too long, the same thing needs to happen with him, and that's it, in Nat Phillips. It should have happened last year, and for whatever reason, it didn't happen. Mainly, I think, the club's fault. Set a price too high for him. And I think he he should be leaving this. He should be leaving the club this summer. You know? Yeah, completely agree with both, which ties in perfectly with my thoughts about Seth Vandenberg. Because those are two spots. I mean, not so much Reese Williams. He wasn't in and around the team. But I watched Nat Phillips play. You know, I was at the home opener last season. And when the lineups dropped, you know, in the pub having a drink beforehand. And you're like, what the hell? Like, Nat Phillips is playing. So like, there there was obviously at least some need to have him there. I think that role could go to Vandenberg. And I believe now, does he not qualify as club grown? Yes. Yes. So, He's club grown and home grown, yeah. I think I think Sepp Vandenberg actually stands a decent chance of taking the Nat Phillips spot, regardless of whether we buy another defender or not. You know, if we get a Mickey Van de Ven or Gonzalo Inacio or Tap Soba, you were mentioning before the show, if we get another player like that. I still think he could be in there as that alternative option, to, you know, just to give us the ability to play this new hybrid system. Because when you were talking about Bradley, it's something before the show, you were kind of talking about this. And I was thinking, yeah, when we're rotating, we're almost certainly, in my visioning of it, going back to a traditional 4-3-3. You know, it's only when we have our starting 11 or near enough about, basically when Trent is playing. If you've got Trent playing, you can play this new system because it's all built around Trent. But if Trent needs to be rested for some reason or if he's suspended, I can honestly see us just going back into our regular 4-3-3 because we've still got players there that you can slot in. You can put a Jordan Henderson in a Europa League group stage game with, you know, yeah. let's say a new Kefram Turam signing and Harvey Elliott beside him. And you would hope that he'd be able to organize that enough and get it ticking over. But um, yeah. so Vandenberg, I, again, that injury, totally agree with you. It really set him back after his two spells at Preston North End. You know, they were happy enough after the first loan. They brought him back again. And by all accounts that season, their fans were very happy with his performance. So I think there's a chance for him to make it. And then the other big question mark is around Tyler Morton. 
47 appearances last season in the championship and in the cups for Blackburn. A lot of minutes, you know, seems to be available constantly. If we don't bring a third midfielder in, you know, if it's Alexis McAllister, one other, and then that's the end of our midfield signings, tune in for the transfer reaction, overreaction shows if that's the case. But I think <laughs> I, I think the, the nearest player for me to take that spot is going to – it has to be Tyler Morton. Like, it just seems like he's that much further ahead in his development as a professional over somebody like Bobby Clark. Yeah, I I look at what happened with him uh Blackburn last season. He had a good start to the season. Even up until January he was he was a regular starter and then he um it's it, he faded in the back end of the season. Whether it was legs or whatever, it the season caught up with him by the end of it and he was making a lot of appearances off the bench or he was being subbed off early in games. It it just wasn't really working for him. I'm not convinced that he stays. I I could see him I could see him being sold. Um see, I don't think you make massive money on the players that we're gonna be letting go this summer. But it adds up. Even if it's six million here, seven million on another player with percentage sales and add-ons or whatever, that adds up. And I just think that he probably would be be the one that I don't think he gets any benefit of staying at the club. I don't think it benefits him in any way. I definitely don't think he can come into midfield three in a Premier League game and you wouldn't have people pulling their hair out when the, when the lineup would be announced. I think people would be having canaries at the idea that, that he'd be start, at him starting games on a regular basis. I just can't see it. And I'll be honest, I think... Even at the top end of a championship season, I f- believe that that's his level at the minute. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, most of the vast majority of players who come through academies, especially at top clubs, don't make it. But they do go on to have good careers. And it might be by the time they're 24 or 5 that you see the, the best of them after a couple of years in the championship playing senior football, that they, that they get that move back up. And, um, what's his name? Harry Wilson is probably a prime example of that, where he had, he had a couple of good loan spells, got the move, went down to the championship, come back up, and you saw him last season, and he just, he does look like a Premier League player now, you know, and he, but it's taken him a good long time, and he was never going to get to that level being at Liverpool. You know, it just was never going to happen. So, I think there's going to be players the likes of Tyler Morton, that I think he, he would be the one that would be allowed to leave and for not an expensive fee either. I don't think he'd be, got, he'd be commanding big money for him. But no, that's how I see him. Yeah, it's just to me the thing that Morton has going for him is just his age. He fits into a slot that we don't have a lot of cover in. You know, we've got players that are younger than him and players that are older than him, but there's it's he's just in that bridge between going from, you know, boys football to men's football. And it doesn't really seem like any of the other players, with the exception of, like, we're going to get on to talking about Ben Doe later. And, I mean, obviously, Batchditch came out of nowhere, which you could tell by the number of people scrambling around trying to learn how to pronounce his name when he started making a string of starts in a row. Uh, 
but other than that, I mean, you look at the rest of the players, like you got some good players that have, you know, the names come up when you're watching or paying any sort of attention to the unders, like, you know, James Balaghese, Luke Chambers. We seem to have a bevy of young goalkeepers, you know, went out on loan last season, Orjinski, Peter Luga, Peter Yaros. We got a bit of a goalie factory at the moment. We can just kind of keep, maybe you see one of those players leave permanently. Like, again, I would have thought this summer that there would be a move for Kelleher and he would be that one off of the line that gets sold, we cash in on, and then you just bring the next one up. Perhaps none of these guys are ready to take that number two, number three position. Because, I mean, you talk about fringe players, and I mean, Adrian. Like, Adrian's role yeah. next season for the club is, I'm guessing he picks the music. Like, is he club DJ? He's the, he's the vibe I, manager in the dressing room. I don't see any change in the three goalkeepers that we have from last season. No, either I do I if Kelle- No, I think if Kelleher was going to go... I think there, the only, there is a situation where, that can arise if you have a domino effect with uh, a big move, and that could happen next week. Um, David De Gea is slated to leave Manchester United in a week's time. He's waiting on a contract offer, but if he if he leaves, you could see a domino effect for goalkeepers that move in this window. But with United starting to look out at someone like Onana, to bring him in, that closes off a lot of options for Kelleher, where the links previously, you were talking about Rhea being moved. Um, Robert Sanchez might be moved, but it looks like Brighton have brought in Van Bruggen, the Belgian under-21 keeper, I think. So the options that would have been around for Creeping Kelleher going into the summer don't seem to be there at the minute. So Everton, you know, Pickford moves on. <laughs> this is what this is another one. It's but it's okay. Pickford moves, someone goes to Everton. Where does that spot open up for Keller? Is it a case that see? I liked what West Ham did last season with the Europa League, where you had Fabianski was your Premier League goalkeeper, and Ariola was the Europa League goalkeeper i've i would expect the club would have had a conversation to convince kelleher to stay for this year and in return he will get the the cup competitions be it the europa league the domestic cups he'll he'll get a, enough games to because the last thing you want as well you don't want too many senior players traveling here there and everywhere in the europa league they don't need to you know the whole idea of this competition of being in the europa league to take advantage of it is to rein, reinvigorate players, bring them back into contention to be available for first team selection. So for me, I think if Kelleher stays, and I think he will stay now, it, he will be on a promise. You know, he'll be on a promise to play the, um, play most of the domestic cup games. Yaros, I've watched a bit in the Czech Republic games in Euro the 21s. It looks a solid, decent keeper. Yeah. You know, I know absolutely nothing about Pataluga apart from the fact that he was brought in on uh, Alice's recommendations. And I think it's Harvey Davies. He's yeah. gone on loan. Yeah, so, he's out of crew for next season. So. Yeah, you could see a situation next summer where Harvey Davies becomes 21 years of age and becomes the homegrown keeper that allows Kelleher to leave. You know, 
but got to replace too though because it's hard to see Adrian being here another season yeah, after that's it that's a tomorrow problem though yeah yeah you know, that, that's not a this summer problem that's a tomorrow problem he does seem to be liked though I mean my my oh my third string keeper yeah. here here's a little uh trivia question for you Kev do you know what was Adrian's last game he played for Liverpool no the community shield against City last year <laughs> not not <laughs> a, bad a decent record up. Yeah, it's not a, a bad way record. to go out. Yeah, exactly. No, look, I, I mean, I think that there's value to having someone of like him and his experience in the squad. I do. Um, I know people knock him and knock what he offers, but at the same time, I get why a lot of clubs do a lot of clubs do it for the quota. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, but at the same time, there's a value to having a age and experience when it comes to keepers. They're a mad bunch of individuals at the best of times they're not like your normal regular human being keepers are a special breed unto themselves and they just seem to work well together as a team and i'm not going to knock it if if Klopp wants him around he's around and yeah i think we just gotta it's like a shirt you always like wearing is like you just gotta wear it you know you just gotta get on with it yeah well, let's, uh, let's go to the other end of the park then, talk about keepers. Let's talk about the forwards. I mean, when you look at our main squad, we got our five main strikers going in for next season. It doesn't really seem like there's any sort of fringe players there at all when it comes to, you know, the 25-man squad going into next season in terms of forwards. Just a question of whether or not we'll see Harvey Elliott flip in and out, you know, covering for Mo Salah, which I, I think could be what we see in Europa League games of playing Harvey Elliott on the right-hand side of the forward line. I'm okay with that because I think it's uh, – I'm going to circle back around to Harvey towards the end of the show, but I think it's a big, big season for him in terms of his development. Just looking at the forwards that are at our academy system, there's a lot. You've got Doke. You've got Harvey Blair. You've got the Polish Messi, uh, Mateusz Musielowski. You've got corner taken quickly, Cannoneer, Pau Glatzel, Max Woltman, Leighton Stewart, Mamelut uh, – Frauendorf, Cade Gordon. There's a lot of players there. There's two for me that jump right out in terms of being able to maybe make that step up for next season. It's Doak and Gordon. We'll come back to them. Musialowski looks like he's about to leave. You get guys like Glatzel, Waltman, Stewart, Frauendorf. It just, they seem to be those types of players that are just not going to quite make it. Like if you're not showing those glimpses in those forward positions, like people talking in the chat about uh, Musialowski of just how he hasn't filled out at all. He still just looks like a little kid and he wants to be going up and playing men's football against full size center halves. It's tough to yeah, see. That. I, I look at, look at him and I, I see Carvalho and it's, it's square peg and round hole territory. Yeah. It, it just right now doesn't fit. You know, it's um he looks technically a really good footballer and screams to me like he needs a loan and needs a loan in Europe, be that in France or I think the German league would suit him down to the ground. Um that kind of technical league, just quick paced that you know, you do get time in the ball and you can show your skills. Ben Doak is just, we don't know. Look, he's got pace to burn. He can go either either way. He's, he's, he's showing all the attributes that you want in a forward. But 
he's only going to get better with the more games he plays. Now, whether he does that at the twenty with at the twenty three level, and the Premier B, the Premier Two, and maybe the odd appearance off the bench in Europa League games, or League Cup games, or the odd start here and there. I don't know. Uh, that's going to be one definitely for that's a that's a big decision. That's a tough decision. Kay Gordon is exactly the same. Horrendous injury. Big decisions to be made on his future. Whether he needs to go and play the championship, which I think wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, or League One, you know, and play senior football at a level where it's meaningful, it's proper football. I don't think it would do him any harm. Um, I don't. I like what you're saying about Harvey being that option to play right mid. Uh, right wing in a four three three. He doesn't have the pace, but he's got the brain for it. But I watched. The, I don't know if you've watched much of the England under twenty ones where he's been coming off the bench a lot. He's been coming off. He's came off the bench in the last two games, and he's just got that knack of picking picking the right passes. You know, he's he's got a real good football brain, and you know he's he's going to be he's going to get plenty of minutes next next season, and it's just. Finding the role within this setup for him to to give him the best chance, but I definitely could see him playing a thousand minutes next season. You know, throughout the 50, 60 games that we play, be it off the bench for twenty minutes in games or starting games and coming off after an hour, whereas to help keep Mo Salah fresh or rotate in midfield, one of the two options. Um. I still firmly believe we need to bring in a forward, but it just doesn't look like it's going to happen. I knew you'd I get think, there in the end. <laughs> well, my argument with all of this is people are wetting the bed over going into a season with eight midfielders. But no problem going into a midfield. You know, we played three in midfield. We've eight midfielders. And people are wetting the bed. We don't have enough. We'll be five forwards. And then no problem. Yeah, I, I just all find five that extremely weird. Quality. All then, five of those players uh, three, are quality. That's the three of them have had serious injury problems over the last 12 months. And Mo Salah is the unicorn in, in all of so this, great. where he just has this knack of staying fit. I, I, I cannot for the life of me understand the logic of going into a season where he's going to be missing for a month. And you're going to be playing so much football and you go into a season with five forwards, I cannot and I will not accept any any argument to the contrary that we have to be bringing in a forward. Whether we develop that from internal, because the other name that you didn't mention that I really like the look of is Oakley Cannonier. I think he's a proper nine. I think he's a, he's going to develop into wherever. I think you'll look at Oakley Cannonier when he's 24 or 25 years of age and he's going to be a serious number nine. You know, an out and out striker a goal getter, a poacher, um, whether that's with us or someone else, I think he's going to be a very good forward. I think he'll have a good career, whether it be in the Premier League or abroad. He's got all the attributes. He just looks like he's got everything to to make it. But next season, I think, might be a bit too soon for him. You know, next season might be a bit too soon. He's but he just, turned, just turned he's 19 in May. So, I mean, he's still a, still a young, young kid. Yeah. Yeah, but, but at the same time, Michael Owen did it at 18. You know, Robbie Fowler was 19, 20. It's not uncommon to have forwards 
break into the seat. I mean, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, Garnacho at Manchester United just came in Blech. for the Garbage. odd game here and there, but he's he's those kind of players are ones so that are like but they're release valves. No, and I agree. They're, they're the, I, I think they're the kind of players I you, think can, that's you can take. Yeah, if it's him, fine. But those kind of players you can use quarter of an hour, 20 minutes to go in games, whether it be cup games or Premier League games, and, you, and you're and you comfortable and you want to give someone experience, you can. Because they're not going to get worse by giving them minutes. And there's going to be plenty of minutes to go around for everyone next season. You know, uh, I just don't want to get to a stage where we're looking around for forwards in October and people are cold, you know, because they haven't played. And I just think that if, and there's one thing I, with Jurgen Klopp, I'll give him massive credit for. For the first half of seasons, he generally, you'll very rarely, if ever, see Liverpool play the same 11 twice. Very rare. You'll always rotate. You'll always make changes. You'll keep the a core of players that play week in, week out. And it's usually through the spine. But if we do our business right, we should be able to rotate in and out for different competitions comfortably. We have to do our business. This is a huge summer for us. But at the same time, when you're looking at players, the list that you put in our uh, um, group chat, out of all of them, I think there's one out of nowhere player that might make an impact in the first team squad. Maybe two. And for me, that's Connor Bradley. And Stefan, Stefan Bacetic, I think, could be a surprise that um, I think we saw glimpses last season of what he's capable of. But he's still very young and very raw and a lot of other things. I wouldn't be a bit surprised if you saw him used more defensively and he could be used as a right back stroke, right centre back option as well at times. To play you know, that was his natural game. In- that was his natural game playing as a as a right centre back. And we saw when he played in midfield, he's got that football ability that he can pass and move the ball through midfield. He's comfortable with the ball at his feet. I, I just think that's a role that he could be developed into. Whether it's something over time he could be coached in, but I don't know. But I I yeah. I I've got really high hopes that he's he's the one. And it's it's hard. Uh, Andy to say. saying he's hardly out of nowhere. I think uh, Andy, I'll be honest, right? It nobody saw him coming last season. And we 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 liked what we saw, but second season is a big one. And it's like, he's had a surgery. Can he come back and kick on? We don't know. And I wouldn't like to be heaping massive loads of pressure on him. But I hope that he's he, he could be a one that for the long, long term. You know? Yeah, and it's it's, it's he, tough to say with, with Batchditch because he came into the team, I would say, I don't know. Like, honestly, yeah. He did not. He wasn't on. I don't think any of our radars when we were doing our preseason prediction talks and stuff like no. that. Like you know, go back a year's time. Nobody was saying, "Hey, maybe this you know batch ditch kid will be coming in off the bench." And if you did say that, congratulations, well done. You're a soothsayer. But he came in and he had that good run in the team, and then he was out of the team, and then we changed how we played. 
and the two didn't have any crossover. So it's hard to know, you know, like was his injury, did that bring this change of system forward? Like, was that the catalyst where Klopp and Linders just went, ah, fuck it. We may as well just try what we were going to experiment with going into next season now. Cause we don't, like we just don't have the bodies in midfield because it was real thin there for a while, which is why yeah. he got that good run of games in a row. So like, I don't even consider him fringe that I, I fully just lump Stefan Bacic in with the first team squad. He's not going anywhere. He's not going on loan. No, but you know, but at the same time, if, the if, people, if people get the signings that they're talking about and they want three midfielders, you know what I mean? It's like, you've got, Henderson, Fabinho are going to rotate in the six, from what I can see. You've got McAllister, who's going to be a mainstay right or left. Mm-hmm. You've got Jones, Thiago, Stefan, and then you've got three more that people want to sign. Be that two and Kone plus one. Two more. Uh, I think it'll only be one, but... I just don't... If you're going in with ten... See, last season we went in with ten... 10 players, but one of them was Nabby and one of them was Ox. We knew Ox was on long-term injury. <laughs> one of them was Arthur and, Mello. Yeah, and one of them was Arthur Mello. So that left you down at seven. But if you're going into a season with 10 and those 10 are available, you can see discontent happening really quickly, really easily, unless we we actually sell, you know, bring in three and maybe sell one. And I'm just not getting a whiff from anyone that there's players that are going to be sold. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm 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 waiting with bated breath for uh, the Saudi league to come in with a 250 million pound bid for Tiago, please. Because you know I, I'd be happy to take that, even Fabinho. I'm not saying no, just on spite. Yeah, <laughs> they'll loan him back to us. Sorry, I just had to let the dog out. He's uh, yeah. he was, the dog was itching at the door, looking at like. Say, I know you're talking, but will you just open the damn door for me, please? <laughs> happens just about every time. Uh, how about at the back? You know, we got there's a couple of players whose names kind of jump out. Uh, Billy Comedio was mentioned a little bit earlier. It just doesn't seem like he's going to make it. But you got Luke Chambers, Jarrell Kwanzaa, and the one who I'm kind of looking forward to see if he gets another chance in the summer because I thought he did quite well last year is Isaac Mabaya. I remember watching last year's preseason and he kind of came, you know, it was a name that I wasn't super familiar with. And he got a pretty good run in the preseason games, you know, that we played far too many of last year. And he actually looked half decent, you know, played the season yeah, with the boy. with the academy team. You know, he's one I can see going on loan because we, you know, we're pretty well stocked at fullback. You know, you, you know, Ramsey's out on loan. Connor Bradley's coming back from loan. You got Owen Beck. Uh, I'm not entirely sure if Chambers is going to play as more of a fullback. You know, if he makes the jump up to the senior team or plays the center half. But there's a few decent players in there. I mean, Kwanzaa, it seems like he had a good loan at Bristol Bristol Rovers, yeah. I believe it was last Bristol year. Bristol Rovers, yeah. 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 So that was, that's a league him. one. Yeah. League one. And there was um, a report that people can look up online. A guy named uh, Jeff Twentyman. Uh, he's a BBC reporter in Bristol and he's been he played in Bristol for years played for Rovers and he's been involved in football in Bristol for a long time he actually Jeff, Jeff Twentyman came through Liverpool Academy back in the, in I think the late 70s early 80s and I only ever remember him playing for Rovers when I was living there and 
he'd done an interview with, I think it might have been the Anfield rapper Redmond TV. It was one of the two. And he was raving about Kwanzaa. Uh, and I mean, to the extent that he turned around and said, this guy is going to be a Premier League footballer. He is going to be that one. You know, he, he just couldn't get over how good he was how, at the age that he was and how intelligent he was. Um, anytime I've watched him for England under age, under underage sides when he's played, the under-20s, he's been good. He's been really, really good. I think he'll definitely get a loan in the championship. And when he comes back next season, I think he'll be banging on the door to be involved in the, um, in the first-team squad in season after next you know, yeah, if not next season, it won't be next season, but the season after, I think he'll definitely be involved in the first team squad. But I think he could get a, a loan to a good championship side, have a good solid season. He'll come back then with the bones of maybe 60 appearances under his belt at senior level at that age, 60, 70 appearances. You know, I think he'll be ready then. You know, I've got really high hopes for him. I was blown away with the interview that Jeff Twentyman gave. It's, um, well worth digging out for people who haven't seen it. This guy is going to be an absolute star. Yeah, it was uh, that was definitely on the Redman. I remember hearing that as well too, because it's a, quite a strange surname for somebody to have. Uh, the timeline of Kwanzaa might work out because I, I agree. I can see him going on a championship loan next season, and if he continues to make the steps up and make strides and have the success that he did at Bristol last year with whomever in the championship, you know, Southampton or who else went down this year, Leeds. He can do a job for Leeds, you know. Yeah, there might be a logical opening. There, there's almost certainly going to be a logical opening in the squad. So, if we just go off of we bring in at least one defender this window, at the end of next season, Joel Matip's going to be out of contract, and yeah, it feels like a Groundhog's Day deja vu again and again. It's a very big season for Joe Gomez. If Joe Gomez does not have a an impact on this team on the first team. If he doesn't get in by hook or by crook, whether it's by injury or just loss of form for somebody, if he can't come in and grab the Jersey and fight to make the spot his, it's at the point now where Joe Gomez is going to need to be replaced in the team. And yeah. if Jarrell Kwanzaa off the back of, you know, a league one and then a championship loan and, you know, he's growing and filling out that much more, that's that's a real good opportunity for him to just kind of slide in. So whatever defender we sign this summer, they bump up and take Matt Tip's spot. And then the questions there were like, because this year it feels like we're extremely handcuffed. Even if you wanted to sell Joe Gomez, if you just kind of look at the bare bones of it, like without saying you're going to bring in nine players in a window, because that just doesn't really happen. No, it doesn't happen. You know, you're not going to make a, a huge, you know, you're not going to sign a full 11. Uh I guess you can. I guess Todd Bowley can. Anybody that's not Todd Bowley isn't going to do that. It seems like there might be that spot to come up and fill in there for Kwanzaa. Like the timing just might work out really, really well in his favor for that. And I mean, the other one is Chambers. I believe he's the captain of the under 21s team. You yeah. Know, which is, I haven't seen much of him. And that's the truth. Genuinely, yeah. I haven't watched enough of him to form any kind of opinion either way. Yeah. You know, but. I, Billy the Kid Comedio was in the uh, top 10 goals of the season for last year. I saw year. that, so, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> a nice, I saw a that. nice long goal against, I think, PSG I, or something like that. I, I, yeah, look, I, I feel for Billy because it was one of those that when, the, when he broke in and when we first saw him in Premier League, we were like, look at the size of this kid. Yeah. We forget that he's only a kid. 
you know, and <laughs> literally, he's he's still learning his game. You know, he's got a long way to go before he's um, before he's he's there a long way. Um, so, there's a question from Kevin Ball. He says, "Any worries over yeah. Virgil? Now he's 32, coming off a poor season." I'll just say, like in response to you, Kevin. I don't think we can afford to worry about that. I think we just have to presume that Virgil's going to be fine. You know, if he's uh, not, that's a, that's a bridge we have to cross when we get there. But I don't think we can start planning to replace Virgil van Dyke just yet. Because if he comes back to form, he could be one of the top defenders in the league for another three or four seasons. I'd be honest. So my- I think that there's one player who desperately needs a sunbed more than anyone else in that squad is him. He's He looked absolutely fried playing for Holland at the end of the season in the Nations League games. His head looked absolutely fried. He just did not look... He looked a shell of, of, of the player that he is. We know he is. I think the amount of football that that man has played in the last two, three years, you know, since he's returned from his injury... He's played a ridiculous amount of football, and a lot of that is on Liverpool. A lot of that is on the club. We never anticipated the fact that we'd have to re- really rotate him. He was badly exposed by the problems we had in midfield as well. And the half a yard of pace that you lose as you get older, he, he, he did. He, he lost half a yard of pace. That coupled with a fragile midfield did not help him one bit. I think long term is something that we're going to have to address, but I don't think that's some. I think that's something that you looked you'd have to address maybe in the following summer. Um, I think we were, well, we're going to have no choice but to bring in a top few, a top tier centre back. But I just don't think that there's that many out there. At the moment, I think there's some good centre backs out there. Um, look, people will talk about Gavardiol all day long, and the same people, you know, you'll see link, you know, Caicedo going to Chelsea. I think those kind of deals are predetermined. They're already pretty done, you know. There's you look at those players, and you also look at the fact that nobody else is going after them. You yeah. don't see Caicedo linked to any other club; it's only Chelsea. You don't see Gavardiol linked to any other club; it's only Man City. You know, so to me, it looks like within within the game, they know that those deals are done. You know, so it's just a case of getting players out to get him to get them in, kind of thing. Yeah, but it's, I think it feels next, next summer is definitely going to be one that we have to bring in a, a starting centre back. For sure. Yeah, it feels like there's a bit of a market, kind of like the same with goalkeepers for other teams in the Premier League. It feels like there's a bit of a market out there for centre halves because I mean, with Deep Freeze head Harry seemingly on the way out at United, you know, Varane's a little bit older. United are going to need another center half. Almost all of Tottenham's can just be replaced immediately. I mean, if I was a Spurs fan, I'd be pulling my hair out at the state of their center halves. I mean, Romero should be better than he is, but he's just a little upstairs. Uh, And Arsenal, I guess they kind of have theirs uh, a little bit pinned down. Chelsea, who knows? They've only bought about 15 of them. But yeah, it, it feels like a good year to maybe go out and buy a fourth choice center half. You know, you're going to come in as fourth or fifth choice, and then it's up to you. If you can push yourself ahead of Matip or Gomez, whether that's through form or just versatility, the ability to play on the left, you know, somebody that comes in and actually 
prefers to play that position so that we can just be that much more confident in giving Virgil an extra day off and not feeling like we need to play him again and again and again and again. Yeah. Uh, well, so, 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 I'm sorry if I if I mispronounce your name. Sukbir Sekton asks a question there. How come it's always half a yard of space? Or I'm assuming he means pace players lose. What does that even mean? A lot of it with Virgil, in my opinion, is the fear factor. And you saw it with Lotaro Martinez. You saw it with a lot of wingers. When they got one-on-one with Virgil, they went down the line. They went away from him. Last season, they didn't. Last season, they went at him. And they went at him because the quicker players are getting away from him. Yeah. Or he's having to really open his legs out to stay with players. Whereas before, he's, he'd open his legs out and he was ahead of the likes of Adama Traora. You know, Adama Traore is one of the quickest, if not the quickest player in the league in a sprint. And Virgil was just like manhandling him, you know, just like he couldn't get, he couldn't breathe. And most wingers, when they saw Virgil, they went to the line and they cut back and they allowed us to reset. Last season, because the midfield was that open and we were cut through that quickly and that easily, that he was just exposed. And when I say they've lo- he's lost that yard of pace, it's that fear factor where forwards aren't afraid of going one-on-one with him now, you know, and they're chancing their arm more than they ever did. I think it's um, it's something that he's got to address himself as well. You know, you look at, for me, Thiago Silva is one of the best centre-backs to ever play the game. And he re- reinvigorated himself as a centre-back with his ability to read the game. And he's extended his playing career by doing so. Virgil needs to get better at reading the game and reading where to be and managing the players in front of him to be in the right place at the right time. But I think he's definitely got that in him. But we'll see as the season evolves, how our midfield evolves. If we carry on next season, how we finish the last 11 games, we'll be fine and he'll be fine. You know, but we've got to get the preseason right and bed down us a way of playing yeah. that suits to, to everyone. To me, like, to answer Sukhir's question, it's it's both, like, Red Steve says, the first yard's in your head, and Virgil's head wasn't right last season either. It's that, and to me also, it's that first yard or half yard that you take. It's that quick-fire muscle, like that snap reflex acceleration, where when he was, like, I don't think if you put them in just a straight-up race in their lanes, I don't think Virgil would have been faster than Adama Traore. But Adama was never going to pass him. You know, when you as soon as you start get that jostling going on, and as soon as yeah. Virgil got even, even with you or ahead of you, that was it. It was over. But just being that little bit slower on the turn, and whether that's from indecisiveness, whether he's questioning himself, whether his body just physically doesn't have the same snap to it that it did when he was properly in his prime, that remains to be seen. But as soon as he starts behind, he just doesn't have the ability to close that space down anymore. And to me, I just have to hope. I'm getting, as we're getting closer and closer, what now? Like 10 days until the players come back for preseason. My optimism is starting to return. You know, the, the cold wind, yeah, the, yeah, it's, it's I think the 7th of July, maybe? 4th of July? That's mad. Okay. Yeah, they start coming back here, Toot Sweet Bronto, so everybody get your LFC TV Go accounts ready to go for that one month during the summer to watch <laughs> preseason games. Uh, you know we're going to do it. Yeah. 
but it's to me it's that it's that system of just not having that midfield there of not knowing like there were some of the games when we were so fragile where it was like you know you knew fans were at home screaming at the tv or in the stadium screaming at the players of like just drop back you know don't try to hold the line at the halfway line and you kind of end up in in between two minds and it was an absolute disaster but all of that stems from the midfield like the issues of being consistently threatening going forward and far more solid at the back and not giving up so many massive chances just stem from our inability to control games in midfield. And I am with you. Like, I really hope that the way that we've changed our system and bringing some new players in is just going to get us back to the level that we need to be at. Because if we have a functioning midfield there, I, I can't remember who said it, but like, you know, Virgil has a couple more years left at the top of the game and that's good to not need to replace him Cause I don't yeah. know where oh, a yeah. million pounds to buy a new, you know, starting center half is going. Thor makes his point there. Virgil is like the boxer returning to the ring after a first defeat. Yeah. You think that this season there's going to be a few of those players coming back with points of proof? Mm. You know, um, I think Virgil's definitely one. I think Tiago's one because I think people are writing Tiago off because of the. I- um, yeah, you look at him, but he's still – the hope is that the surgery has cleared up this hip problem. And that problem that he had had been at him for a while. And they got to a stage with the season where it was mathematically done. You know, we we got to that stage in the season where there was no benefit to putting the surgery off anymore. I hope that he can give us 12 months – where he's used for an hour in games and he's managed properly. You know, where you get 60, 70 minutes of Thiago starting on the left with McAllister on the right and Fabinho back to his normal self in the six and you blood everyone in around them. You know, you bring the new signings on in their development with the likes of Thiago saying, look, this is what you do. This is how you do it and just watch for a bit and learn a bit and i i'm hoping that he's going to be the one player that makes people stand up and say that's why we got that's why we kept him for that year you know and i think that as long as he's managed properly i don't expect to see tiago starting four or five six games in a row playing 90 minutes going out for leather but i think if he's managed properly and used in the right way even if it's used off the bench with 30 minutes to go if you wanted to rotate him with McAllister. He can do that role too. You know, if you want to drop in change system midway through a game, you want to drop into playing two sixes with, with um, Thiago and Stefan, you can do that. You know, he could literally run the Europa League games. You know, there's there's different ways of using players like him in the squad. And I think people, people are sleeping on him a bit. You know, I definitely I- think there's one one season more to come from him. Yeah, I'm definitely sleeping on Tiago, mostly because, you know, he was missing for his the availability. Last few weeks it goes back to season. availability. Well, but also, like, with the way that the team has changed, so, like, Tiago plays the left sided eight, but the way he played that left sided eight in our old 4 3 3 was to kind of slot in and stay a little bit deeper. Like, he wasn't getting forward. Like, when Henderson was playing towards the end of the season, he was getting forward. You know, Curtis Jones popping up at the back post for those two tap ins at the end of the season from that left-sided role. That's not something that I see Tiago doing. So I just struggle to see how he plays. 
Now, if you, if we go back to what we were talking about earlier and kind of have a mix of two different styles of playing, you know, with almost two different sets of players, Tiago fits back into that left-sided eight role perfectly then, you know, like Tiago and Henderson with Bacetic as the six in its regular three-man midfield. That sounds quite good, but he's also not the type of player that you're going to be rolling out for, you know, Krasnodar in the Europa League group stage. Like, that's not a game that we're going to be taking Tiago to go play in. So, like, I, that's, that's I, the issue I have. No, see, I think you would. I think, see, for me, those kind of games, when you're in the Europa League, you're going to start your seven players who are normally on your bench. And then you're going to supplement that with the rest of the squad and some of the 23s. You know, so the likes of Thiago, Henderson, Darwin Nunes, Simicas, Matip, Jones, or sorry, Matip, Gomez, um, Connor Bradley, Quivin Kelleher, they'd be starting Europa League games for me. And you and you still I mean you still gotta get we're gonna have a big huge target on our on our back for yeah. all of these sides in the Europa League. We're the dream draw. You know, everybody yeah. wants to get drawn in the group with Liverpool. They, everyone is dreaming of the away trip to Anfield and they're gonna want to take a take a scalp. We still have to go and win these games. It's, it's almost like people think it's a given because we're Liverpool that we're going to turn up and we're going to steamroll these sides. Odds are we will get through these group, this group stage and we will top the group and we'll probably win it win it well. You still got to go and do it. You're not going to go and win a Europa League group with playing your under-23s. You're just not. So you're going to have to play some of your first team, your, you know, a good chunk of your first team squad in these games. But the idea is that these players played their way into contention for starting Premier League games. You know, that's how this worked last time when we were in the Europa League for Jordan Henderson. He re reinvigorated himself and forced his way into selection for Premier League games because of the form he showed in the 20s in Europa League. Harry Kane did the same for Spurs. Harry Kane was an afterthought for Spurs until they played him in the, in the Europa League. And he was banging goals left, right, and center. And he forced his way out of nowhere, out of loan spells at Leicester. He forced his way into the first team squad. He's never looked back. Some players need that exposure to as, European as kids, football, though, and it kicks them on. Those are kids. You know, like somebody mentioned Martinelli earlier when we were talking about dope that we should be using the Europa League games like Arsenal did with Martinelli in the Europa League, of using it to blood him in. I mean, those are, those are kids. I just don't. Like you were talking earlier about playing, you know, kind of weak in lineups or big change lineups, you know, eight, nine changes to an 11 for Europa League games. And it's just giving me flashbacks of playing like Anzi Machachkala and Young Boys and just being awful in, you know, 2010, 2011, stuff like that, where like we can't be having that. This is a competition that we're going to probably be favorites going into. You know, yeah. probably bookmakers' favorites, uh, bookmakers.com The finals favorites. in Dublin, so I want us to win it. I know. I know <laughs> the finals in Dublin. It could be some some absolute massive hell of a party. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, there's really not too much. You made a very compelling case there at the end of why Tiago is kind of a fringe player, and I, I, I'm all aboard with that. I'm all on board with that. So it feels like you got uh, Connor Bradley as the one kind of circled out of all the players we've talked about as uh, – 
the one to watch for you. Am I reading that right? Yeah, I think I I think now the fact that he's turned twenty, I think he he has every chance. He's shown everything that you want. He didn't he done everything you want in the loan spell that he went on. He's doing really well for Northern Ireland whenever he plays. And the thing is, when you're playing for Northern Ireland, most of the time you you don't have the ball. So he's learning how to defend at an international level, and he's doing okay. He's holding his own. Uh, I just think he's got he'll he's he he could be one of those players who just being around the first team squad, training week in week out, getting game time in in the cup competitions, give him all the confidence in the world he needs, and. There's with a lot of these players, you can reassess it in January. You know, if you get to January and you want him to go out and loan, you can. You know, but I'd definitely be keeping him around up until January and then reassess what you want to do for the second half of the season. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I think the I think the player that's gonna have the biggest impact, just of the ones we talked about, because again, probably uh I I think Harvey Elliott's just gonna be a great player for Liverpool. So I if yeah, you I do him to be a fringe player, hard not to, given the number of appearances that he made last season, you know, that run of consistent appearances that he was making. That's not something that a fringe player does. Uh, Stefan Bacetic, I think, will do wonderful as well. To me, the one that's going to have the big impact and people are just going to love him because they already did, the last time we saw him is Bendo. Because of, you mentioned Garnacho, and it made me throw up in my mouth because I don't really like him very much, but I just think there is a place to be had for a kid that just has electric pace that you can bring off the bench. Mm. And, you know, having having the nine-player bench just means it's that much more likely that he's going to sneak onto the odd bench here and there. You never know. You know, somebody picks up a niggle or, you know, their wife's having a kid or, you know, they get sick or something like that. He can find his way onto that bench and then gives you the ability to just rest Mo a little bit and say, just go run, kid. Like, just get on there and show us your speed. I think that's... It seems the easiest way to break into a team for me. I think is kind of what I'm getting at. It's the yeah, and the, but the thing is, you can you can play seven or eight senior players in Europa League games and start a bent dog. Yeah, you know, give them an hour. You know, if it ain't working out, make a change. Especially if you if especially at home. You know, where players don't have to travel to the back and beyond and be back in the country to play a Premier League game on the weekend, on the Sunday. If you're playing at home on a Thursday night and it's, uh, you know, and if you want a Mo Salah on the bench or you need to bring a forward on who needs to find a bit of form or recovering from an injury or whatever, there's plenty of reasons why you wanted to give a player confidence. But you could give Ben Doak an hour and say, bring Luis Diaz off the bench for half for the last half hour. Yeah. You know, no problem. Darwin Nunes, give him an hour to start and replace him with Gakpo if you're at home. There, there's ways and means of managing the squad, but I don't expect the same volume of players out on loan as there were last year. I think, you know, Bobby Clark would be one that should go on loan, but I think there'll be enough of them kept around as well. You know, um, I'm looking forward to it now. I'm, I'm getting that itch back. There you go, you know, see? Uh, I, I'm get I I'm you know, I like a lot of people like we needed the break we needed the the detox of no football for a while but yeah, yeah I'm kind of looking forward to the preseason games coming up now yeah see Antico here he says on. he uh, Antico doesn't want to see Ali Verge Salah anywhere near an away game in Kazakhstan 
I will give the no. opposite argument to that. I think it'll be very hard to keep all of our superstars from not demanding to be in the starting 11 if we play in that Lithuanian stadium that has a steam train on the sidelines. <laughs> Who doesn't want to start and just a, a giant... Oh, what's that baseball goes? ground that has that? What's that? Is that Atlanta that has that... Um, uh, no, it's Houston. That's Houston, Houston in the outfield. Yeah, has a. I mean, that's just that's just like a toy, though. It's Insane. the Lithuanian one. I think Insane. they just ran out of space and couldn't move the rail line. <laughs> it runs right down the side of the pitch. But I mean, it's not going to be long, and the pre 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 qualifying for the Europa League is going to get started, and you know we'll start having an idea of what the pots are looking like, and then we'll be making draws. And it's coming sooner well, than Ashley you makes possibly... a great point. Ashley makes a great point there. Can't wait to become an expert on the the. I got to be lactate careful how I pronounce yeah. this. Lactate tests. Yeah. Who's going to take the Milner crown? Exactly. Well, you were talking about Virgil needs some time off. I think what he really needs is some very casual bike riding in German countryside somewhere. You know, like those are always that's a sign that the season's back when you get those pictures of the squad all poorly strapped on bike well, helmets. At least, it, at least it looks like this time where they've got their preseason arranged the right way yeah. where they're going to do the donkey work and the leg work in Europe, go to Asia, play the games, get back, Yeah, you know, just go and do, but get the majority of their work done in Germany and Austria before they go to um, Singapore, because it's a different climate. It's a different atmosphere. It's different, yep. you know, so I'm looking forward to it. I look forward to more business being done in the next yeah. two weeks. Yeah. You know, get the Euros I'm, under 21s out of the way and just get some new blood in the door and then we can all sit down and relax and start really looking forward to it. Yep. Final group games of the under 21 Euros, I think, get started tomorrow and then into the knockouts. So, yeah, hopefully yeah. there's some business to be done. It looks like the French are going to probably go pretty deep in the tournament. So we might have to wait a little bit on that, yeah. but it feels like the Kefram Turum stuff is not going away. So maybe there's going to be some fire to where that smoke is. Uh, the other oh, thing that's coming up, Quickly is the uh, Dublin City Marathon. So the uh, women's GAA team that is running that Dublin City Marathon that are our charity partners for this year. Coming up, I believe, in October. So they're still out October, there training. Yeah. yeah, a couple of big events here has gotten us that much closer to the fundraising target. Just thousands of euros raised between the golf day and the ladies having some event that they held as well there too. So the charity is in our, uh, the link is in the description to the show, whether you're on a podcast download after the fact or with us here live on YouTube, if you're with us here live on YouTube. I'm guessing you've heard this before because it's about the same gang you guys in here most every night. So, but if you're listening afterwards, check out our charity sponsor. If you can throw them a few quid dollars, Bob, whatever you got handy and available, it'll help us out a lot. They're raising money for breast cancer which is an unbelievably good cause to be raising the money for. And then after you've done that, if you're still feeling generous, if you want to give a little thumbs up or a five-star rating for the show, the channel, leave a comment and everything like that. All those little bits help. Hit the subscribe bell, Red Steve. Hit the notification icon, please. Red Steve, help Gav out with his sanity. But other than that, not a lot well, in terms of transfers. Uh-oh. Let's keep Current total at the minute. For the um, Ashburn Breast Cancer Research uh, GoFundMe is at sixteen thousand seven hundred and twenty-three euro. There We're you. getting there. We're really getting there. It's just the last push now to get it over the line. So any help anyone can give, be it sharing, donating, telling people about it, you know, it's the last push to get this over the line. 
there was also some breaking news tonight. Um, nothing to do with us, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But um, Man City have put an official bid in for Declan Rice for 80 million plus 10 million in add ons. Uh, are, it, it's it's more than Arsenal's bid, 75 plus 15. But from what I gather, from what I've read, Arsenal want to structure this in a way where they pay, the, pay it over four years, the 75 million over four years, and the add-ons over five years, whereas Manchester City want to pay the bulk of it up front and the add-ons in two payments over two years. Ultimately, it's going to be up to the player, uh, but he's got options of going to either or. Um, I thought he didn't want to leave London. I thought he didn't want to leave London. We should have been in this conversation. That's infuriating. I mean, eighty million is—it's up there. But I—I I really rate Declan Rice. I think he's a fantastic. Well, if 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 he goes to Arsenal, that's a club record fee for Arsenal. That's that would be um, a club record transfer. Uh, I personally wouldn't be anywhere near that conversation at that price. I think he's massively overvalued. I think he's a good player. Don't get me wrong. I think he's he's a very good player. I just think the market at the moment is so hot that it needs cooling down. Um, I think that transfer fee for Declan for a Declan Rice and what Declan Rice offers you as a player is outrageous. I think it's crippling football. It's killing football. There is no planet, no reality where Declan Rice is a ninety million pounds footballer. None. He just isn't in any way, shape, or form a ninety million pound player. He's at best a fifty fifty five million pound player. When I look at what Rodri offers Man City and what he does, I don't see Declan Rice replacing Rodri in the side. I don't see Declan Rice having the ability to do what Gundogan does. And I look at what Man how Man City play and the fact that they're willing to pay ninety million pounds for him, to me, is outrageous. It's just absolutely outrageous. I do not see it. Um, he's, twice, he's twice the player Calvin Phillips, so ninety million would be less than twice what they paid for Calvin Phillips. But I mean, I here's, here's, don't... here's a question, Kev. Just before we go, would you yeah. rather eighty million plus add-ons for Declan Rice or seventy-five million plus add-ons for Moises Caicedo? I know Caicedo every day of the week and twice on Sunday. I could completely disagree with you. That's, I think all um, the intangibles all fall in favor of Declan Rice, with the exception of his age. He's a little bit older, but other than that, I mean, I don't even think it's a conversation. I'd have Declan Rice. I think Caicedo. I think Caicedo is a better footballer. I think he's got age on his side where he's going to get better. I think he's got versatility on his side, where he offers you someone who can play wide or central, and. I think the sky's the limit for him, personally. But I also think that long-term, Chelsea see him as a replacement for N'Golo Kante. And I think at 21 years of age, 75 million is great business for Brighton. And I just don't see anyone else in the conversation for him apart from Chelsea. Brian O'Halloran with the late show for comment of the night. The only person spending ninety million on rice is Big Sam and his local Chinese. So, God <laughs> well bless done. you, Brian. Yeah, take a bow, Brian. All right, that's been it for us. Thanks everybody for joining us. I believe there's another uh, Great Liverpool Games episode coming out tomorrow. Is that yeah, right? we're going to be doing. I think we're going to be doing it tomorrow. Um, we're going to be looking at um, two games against our nearest and dearest rivals. 
not our nearest and dearest rivals, but very close rivals. Uh, the, let's put it this way: it's not the blue side of Manchester we're looking at. Oh boy, there's it's there's the some good rivals. ones to real, pick from in there. It's the real rivals, yeah, not the fake that's ones. Right. That's right. All right. Well, we can all look forward to that. Hopefully, you're uh, preempted by the boss coming on with some breaking transfer news just to I'd love to see more. Yeah, all of us transfer junkies out there. But anyways, thanks, everybody, for joining us. It's been the LFC Day Trippers. I'm Matt. That's been Kev. We'll see you guys around. Sports Social Podcast Network.